Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... Along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie's Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and today we have a wonderful show. I think I need to address something. I just realized in the intro there, he talks about my co-host. I was supposed to have a rotating co-host for the show, and we started out having a rotating co-host, and then it just got so busy where there's so many people that it kind of just fell by the wayside. And so sometimes I will have a rotating co-host, but no, I don't really need a rotating co-host, but there you go. I'm just rambling now. We have a wonderful show for you. Are you someone who's been waiting for your Prince Charming to arrive? Have you watched your good friends date, get married, and start having kids, but you haven't found the one yet? If it sounds like you, fear not. We have author Stephanie Reich here with us, and I promise you will find hope and inspiration as she shares her story with us today. Also joining us is Marsha Tullock, co-founder of the Jardine Graham Foundation. And if you are of black descent, and especially if you're from the Caribbean, Jamaican, you need to hear her message. So... What is good in the news today? Well, Perina is. They've generously come up with a wonderful plan to feed shelter dogs. They will donate up to 500,000 pounds of dog food every time someone watches this video made by Soul Pancake. So please go to www.thegoodradionetwork.com to my blog page and click and watch the video. And then share it because we want all those little doggies to be fed, have full bellies. Well, Stephanie Reese is here with me today. She's the author of I Was Blind, in quotes, dating, but now I see a memoir that chronicles her misadventures in dating, waiting, and stumbling into love. Stephanie's a senior editor of nonfiction books at Tyndale House Publishers, as well as a freelance writer for publications such as Today's Christian Woman, Christian Marriage Today, Christian Living Magazine, and she and her husband, Daniel, now live in the Chicago area, see, she found somebody, where they enjoy riding bikes, making homemade ice cream, and swapping bad puns. Stephanie's blog is at www.stephaniereach.com, and that's R-I-S-C-H-E.com, and we'll put that out again a little bit later. Now, back to the book. On the back cover of Stephanie's book, it says, this is how a girl with practically zero dating experience and a shyness around boys that dated back to circa 1987 mustered up the courage to say yes to not one but eight blind days. So how did she do so with all of the elegance of a put bull in a tutu? What an image that is. Stephanie, welcome. <laughs> Hello, Frankie. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Oh, what a fun book. Thank you. Know, you. It, it really was a lot of fun. And I, and I want to go through, you know, some of the guys that you met and, and, and everything. But, you know, you start to read the book, you go, you know, is this is she a pit bull? <laughs> what, what does she look like? And then I saw your picture and you're absolutely stunning. And I have to wonder, like, why would guys be like, they look at you and they go, eh, you know, taking that, that side step. Maybe you're too beautiful. Maybe, you know, you're intimidating. I don't know. What do you think the problem was? I mean, Uh-oh. all of your girlfriends were getting married and, and you were not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I think that's such a hard thing when we're waiting, no matter what we're waiting for, is we start 
getting insecure and wondering, is there something wrong with me? And I know I went through that wondering, you know, am I not pretty enough? Am I not fun enough? What is it about me that's putting out a vibe that's not not attracting people? And I think that caused a lot of soul searching in me. And ultimately, it just came down to God had things to teach me during that season. And I don't necessarily know the reason why God wasn't working on my time frame, but I'm glad that his plan worked out better than mine. Yeah, well, the, it usually doesn't go on our time frame. It usually goes, no. you know, when and Daniel wasn't ready yet and all of that good stuff. But, you know, as you come out of high school and as you come out of college, it, it does get a little more difficult to meet people, especially, you know, your head's down into work and where do you go? Like, you know, where do you meet That's these true. guys? And, and, and so... Who was the first one to set you up on a blind date? Like, who came up with that idea? Yes, it was a friend of my mom's, actually, and um, it is so much harder. I went to a Christian college where there were tons of guys and lots of people in the same life stage and similar values, and then to go into the real world where you just don't have as many common connections and easy ways to get to know people, it was really Mm -hmm hard to start meeting people and there's some awkwardness of dating in the workplace because if things don't work out then you still have to see them and you still have to go to your job yeah Um, you don't want to do that that's not a good plan (laughs) right and then as a christian i didn't want to go to the bars and do that scene and i know a lot of my friends did the whole online dating thing but i was way too chicken for that it worked out for some people but i was just nervous about that. So it didn't leave a lot of options for how to meet people. And my personal experience was at church, there were so many single women, and there just weren't as many single men to get to know and meet at church. Um, So one of my mom's friends um, set me up with this guy on the first blind date. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of a chicken little. I'm always afraid the sky is falling. And I was I was way too nervous to do this, but I thought, okay, what do I have to lose? I'll never see him again if things don't work out. Um, So I told a couple friends, please pray for me. I'm so nervous. Would you please just ask me how it goes afterwards? And that was the first blind date, and I had no way of knowing at the time that there would be eight more after that. So when you went on this date, tell us about this date. This was kind of a funny date. Um, one of the girls, is, it, it was a little girl, I think, and, and she goes, you're going on a blonde date. Thought you were That's going right. Blonde, with a blonde. That's, <laughs> That's right. Really I was mentoring some girls um, who were in junior high, and this sweet little girl was trying to figure out, now why would you call it a blonde date? Does that mean he's going to have blonde hair? So we eventually got the definition of what a blind date is. Um, and he did turn out to have blondish colored hair, but that was incidental. Um, but so, he was so rude. Oh my gosh, this guy was rude. <laughs> well, you know, I one of the things I learned in my blind date experiences is that not both parties are not always as interested in going on the blind date. So uh-huh. it's good to find out if the other person was strong-armed into this by the matchmaker or if they really want to be there. So, but he was late to the date and I kept wondering, you know, is he coming? Is he showing, standing me up? How long do I wait before I just give up on this? Especially since I'd never met him before. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But eventually the person behind the um, counter, at, it was like a juice place, um, said, well, he, are you waiting for blonde date? And she said his name. And I I said, yes, I am. And he, she told me that he had called and said he was running late. So I at least knew he was coming. 
But right. it turns out that he was involved in a very intense pickup soccer game, so that's why he was late. A pickup soccer game <laughs> that he wasn't playing in. <laughs> yeah, it was. You could tell he was maybe not as excited about this idea as I was. <laughs> oh my gosh! And you know, as you read about these guys, it's like you're looking at these guys going, "You guys are all losers. No wonder you're single." But you, on the other hand, were like. How come she's single? But I do have to laugh at you because it, you, you had a, this dry spell where you hadn't gone out for a long time with anybody, but you had all these rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> Somebody yes. asked, I'm still not going to go out for three days. <laughs> right. I'm like, girl, you know. Like, oh. Well, it's, and it's I should mention right that. Now, but you still got your integrity. <laughs> well, and I should mention for the guy's benefit there probably is some perfect person out there and even if i wasn't that perfect person there is somebody out there that's a good match for them right but um so after you went out with with blondie um you started to pick up stones you started to to save stone how did that happen a stone for each date a reminder a token Yes. Well, there's a story in scripture that talks about um, how Joshua led the people into battle and um, as kind of a remembrance of God's faithfulness that he delivered them from their enemies, they put down this big rock right where God won the battle for them. And they called it the Ebenezer Stone. And it was a stone to commemorate God's faithfulness. Um, and that every time they would see it, they would remember God was faithful um, and he delivered them from from their enemies. And so I was thinking about that idea, and um, I feel like for me it's so hard to remember God's faithfulness. It seems so intangible, and so I wanted a tangible way to remind myself that God has been faithful in the past and he will be in the future. And so I started collecting little stones. I didn't want to put a big rock in the middle right. of my yard. Right. So. Um, with each blind date, I just wrote down in permanent Sharpie on the rock the person's name and the date just to remind myself, okay, God has been faithful, and whether this date works out or not, I trust that God will be faithful in this too. Well, I have to commend you because, you know, your faith was rewarded eventually, but it must have been so difficult. I mean, you had a lot of changes going on. You you know, you bought your own home, you became, you know, a homeowner and, and you learned to live by yourself. And, you know, you're, you were working out in the world now and, and, you know, your sister got married and, and they, you know, younger ones, like you were the eldest mm-hmm. of, of, you know, your siblings. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's difficult when the younger ones get married before you. How, right. how hard was that for you to be happy for her? Yeah, you know, I don't think, I think we don't even realize how we have these scripts that we write for our lives and we imagine how things will play out. And mm-hmm. as you said, I'm the oldest of three kids and I just imagine that I would be the first to get married and have a family. And, um, it turned out my younger brother got married first and then my baby sister, who's eight years younger than I am, she got married before I did. And you just start having to rewrite the script in your head and say, okay, who's in charge here? Am I in charge of my life or am I going to release my plans to God and trust that he has a better plan than I have? And there was definitely some wrestling. Um, you know, there's that verse that I clung to rejoice with those who rejoice. And, um, sometimes that has to be a choice because it doesn't come naturally to rejoice for someone with someone who has something that you want that 
hasn't happened easily for you. And so it really was a daily choosing of asking God to give me his joy when I didn't have joy of my own. Well, I commend you for, I mean, you've done, you did a lot of things and I want to talk about all those amazing things that you did do, but we're about to go to a commercial break. So folks, I want you to make sure that you stick around because we got some very exciting surprises coming up for you <laughs> later in the show. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Stephanie about date number two when we get back. And that, that gentleman, uh, let me see, what, what did, what did you nickname? You had a nickname for all of them. Oh, that was the professor. We're going to yeah. talk about the professor. Don't okay. go away. Stay where you are. We're coming right back. Gotcha. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Is there a particular food item that you absolutely crave to the point of madness? Then you're an opsomaniac like me. I love avocados, for instance, probably because avocados have more protein, fat, and calories than any other fruit. Some folks are afraid of the avocado, nicknaming it the alligator pear for slippery and yucky. What's a word for the fear of food? Sitiophobia. Talk about yummy snacks, let's not forget potato chips. A pound of potato chips costs 200 times more than a pound of potatoes, or tater tatties as Aussies call them. The slang word spud derives from the spade-like tool used to dig them out. What's another word for mashed potatoes? Pachi pachi. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back, and I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Stephanie Reese. She's the author of I Was Blind Dating, But Now I See. Stephanie, you're a very principled person. Uh, you know, you, you have, you have, you know, a lot of integrity and, and you have rules that you set for yourself and you're very determined to keep to those. And I, I have to commend you for that because it's not very easy, um, to, to do that. And, and one of the things I meant by that was, um, you, um, you had a, a friend. Is it Macy? Um, yes, Mason. Mason. And yes. you, you and Mason decided that you were going to pray together and see if you guys could find a, a man, find someone to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. And and you you decided that you were going to fast one day a week. Was that what you did? One day a week or one yes. day a month? Yes, one, one day, day a week. A week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's being very disciplined. 
it it doesn't come naturally to me because I have to tell you I do like to eat a lot. So was, oh, you're really you look very thin. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really a good practice for me though because every time I had those hunger pains, it reminded me I'm not just doing this to be disciplined, but I'm crying out to God, and there was something about the physicality of that to say, this is my physical craving, but my spiritual craving is even deeper, and um, not just that I want God to answer this prayer for me, but I want Him to change me during this waiting so that I'll become the person He wants me to be, and that the waiting won't be wasted. I didn't just want to be on a treadmill just waiting for the good thing Mm -hmm. to happen. I wanted to become different by the end of the waiting. And that's a really great thing to, to be, because part of it is like, I would think, well, how come I have to do all these hard things for a guy? When I look at all my friends and they just meet so easily, they didn't have to fast and they didn't have to do this and they didn't have to do that. But really you were, you know, in, if you take the law of attraction, you, you were becoming the woman that let's say Daniel needed you to be uh-huh. and vice yeah. versa in order for that timing to be correct. So that's true. And even beyond that, if I hadn't gotten married, I still wanted to be, become the person that God wanted me to be, you know, and I wanted to find out his love for me, whether I got married one day or not. Right. And, but he would have loved you fast or not. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about your second date, the professor. Yes. Well, one thing I learned through these blind dates is that Somebody can be perfect on paper, but Mm -hmm. until you actually meet the person, it's really hard to know if things will click. So Mm -hmm. the professor, there was nothing wrong with him, but when we were together, it just seemed like he wasn't having a good time and I wasn't having a good time. Uh And when you were talking about the dry spell, you do have this feeling like, well, this is a lot better than anything else I've been experiencing in the dating world, so maybe I should try to make it work. And it was at that point that it was really helpful to have a community of friends around. Um, I had especially a small group and a couple of married friends who would tell me the truth in love. And so I actually had them meet the professor in kind of a group gathering just to get their opinion about, am I missing something? You weren't trusting your own instincts anymore. Exactly, exactly. And so it was good for me to get their opinion after they met him and say, you know, he just doesn't seem like a match for you. And that was really freeing for me to realize I have people who know me well and can tell me the truth about those things. Well, that's good. You do have a lot of good friends, man. Like they were, it's wonderful that you have been able to keep them for so long and and so richly in your life. That's a real testament to who you are. It really is. So grateful. You know, there's a problem kind of with the matchmaker themselves because do you owe them anything? You know, do you, yes, they set you up from the goodness of their hearts, but do you owe them an explanation when things didn't work out and you know, who's to blame and do you have to go there and debrief or are you okay? Just uh thanks very much and go on. Mm-hmm. That was a hard part about having matchmakers and somebody I was getting to know because I didn't want to disappoint either of them. You know, I didn't, if the guy liked me, I didn't want to disappoint him if I didn't think it was going to work out. And then I also didn't want to disappoint the matchmaker. So it really was um, tough to work through that sometimes. Um, But one thing that I kept reminding myself and the matchmakers was just that their setting me up felt like an act of love to me. You know, whether it worked out or not, whether this was the perfect dream match that they thought it might be. 
um, I just felt like for them to go out of their way to um, set me up and try to help me experience happiness, I just felt very loved by them. Um, so I tried to affirm that to them, even when things didn't work out or it was a complete flop. Um, and I I think it depended on the relationship, how much debriefing I did with them after the date didn't work out. I, I, who was it? Mr. Connecticut, I think. Uh, one of them, he, he had three requirements for a wife, one that she'd be Christian, one that she... Um, what was the other one that she'd be working she or something? Active, I mean, something? Yeah. Active and loved her family. I think that and, and loved her family. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't really need to talk to me much after he figured out those things. So I wasn't sure if I passed or failed. That was the only question. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then the, was, he wasn't the one that, that quizzed you on the Bible, was he? No, that was a different one. That was Uber funda- fundamentalist. Oh, oh that's guy. right, Uber fundamentalist yes. boy. That yes. was ridiculous. I mean, and, like, yeah, before we could even go out, he asked me my stance on baptism and end times and all kinds of theological nuances before he would even agree to meet with me. So, and as you you're answering this, are you thinking I don't want to go out with you? <laughs> I know. And obviously, there are certain fundamental things that are important, but some of those gray areas. I think we can all have a little room to agree to disagree, but exactly. Wow, that's really kind of funny. So if you if you know you're going to talk to girls now because now you're you know of the married variety, what would you tell your single friends? What would you tell single women today um, about blind dating or waiting? Like, what would what's your advice to them? Because it is it, it is hard to be single when all of your friends are married. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be yeah. a single when the world's in a couple. Mm-hmm. So how did you navigate that? Yeah, and I would affirm that just that it is a hard spot to be in. And I think in the church, the church tends to do a really good job emphasizing marriage and families, and that's a really good thing. But sometimes it can feel alienating for people who aren't in that life stage. Like, how do they fit into the church? How do they fit mm-hmm. into the body of Christ? And so I think I would just affirm that, yes, it is hard, and it's hard to wait and not know if this is going to end, you know, how long will you be waiting? Is this just a season? And um, I would just encourage women that they are loved and God loves them unconditionally. And that doesn't, isn't affected by their relationship status. Um, They're worthy and valuable and loved. Um, And I would also just encourage them to take a bold, brave step. And that might be different for each person. And for me, that was saying yes, to a blind date or mm-hmm. eight, and um, mm-hmm. but sometimes just going outside of your comfort zone and being open to God doing something that you wouldn't expect, um, sometimes really wonderful things can happen. Um, did you see the show where the church picks dates for, for a member of their congregation? Did you ever no. see that show? That sounds fascinating and horrifying, both. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was really good. It was like the pastor, the parent, and the congregation chose, I think, four or five men and or women, depending who they, you know, they were choosing for, um, to set them all up on, on a date. And they would go out and the pastor would talk to them and, you know, the guy and the girls would go out. She'd go out with all of them or maybe she'd go out in a group and then she'd, you know, pick one or two. And then eventually they would choose one to see, um, 
you know, who they really liked and see if they could do a better job because they weren't finding people. Mm -hmm. And so this was one way I think that a church could, you know, help their single, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, their their single congregation by, by really getting involved and going, oh, I know that person so well and she's Mm -hmm. so lovely. And, you know, this would be a great match. Uh Just have have people, you know, nominate dates for them. Right. Well, and I think. Would you have done that? If they had done it for you? Oh, boy. I don't know. I think it depends on who was on the selecting committee. If I trusted (laughs) them, yes. If I wasn't sure, maybe not. (laughs) But I do think that's something our society is losing a little bit. We are so individualized now, and there's not as much community. And it's easy for people to sit on their computer and have a relationship, you know, through through an online dating site or whatever, and they, this person doesn't really meet their their friends and family, and so it's really hard to have those authentic relationships. So something like that, at least you're getting involvement from the people who love you and care about you. So how awkward was it sitting, you know, meeting somebody? Uh, did you find it was an interview every time? Was there ever not an interview? It, there is that feeling of you're trying to present your best self and the other person's trying to present their best self and you're trying to organically get to know them, but it can be kind of a forced situation. Um, I'll tell you one silly thing, um, confession about myself is that I kept a little post-it note in my purse full of like question ideas or conversation okay. starters just in case things got really quiet or awkward, then I could kind of ruffle through my purse and um, figure out a question to ask or something well, to talk you. about. <laughs> but it, yeah, it is any first date can be awkward and it's kind of a vulnerable place to be in. But I also think there's something about in person that is really nice to get a better feel for what the person is like. How safe did you feel going on these dates? Did you feel like they've already been vetted that people know these people or did you ever worry about it? It did help knowing that they had a character reference from somebody I knew, and mm-hmm. obviously they, that person doesn't know everything about them, but it did feel better to have that in place. And then I also made sure to meet um, for the first time in a public place, like a coffee shop, so that I, was, I felt more safe and somebody always knew where I was. That's good. Yeah, I would think that that's a big concern for a lot of people, especially in today. Um, and a coffee shop is really well. I mean, did anybody invite you to dinner, dinner? Or was it always, I don't going to spend a lot of money. We'll just have a quick coffee in, you know, 15, 20 minutes we can go. Like, uh-huh. what was the longest date that you had? Mm, let's see. There were a couple that went straight to dinner. Most of them were coffee, though, because it is less of a commitment and you don't have to worry about getting spinach stuff between your teeth or something <laughs> on the first date. Um, but no spinach I think, Yeah. <laughs> I think it depended on how confident the guy was about if this was going somewhere or not, depending on how much he wanted to spend. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, you do have a wonderful sense of humor. And, you know, I, th- I think that it sounded like that the guys in the, in the book weren't getting getting you. Do you well, find that, that a lot of people do get you? You know, I think that is definitely one of the signs of if somebody will click with each other is if you are you find the same things funny and you get each other's sense of humor. Um, that was something that was important to me. And there were some of those awkward dates where I would say something that I thought was funny and they would laugh, not laugh or oh, I would say something that wasn't funny and then they would laugh. So that when I met Daniel, um, there were many things that attracted me to him, but his sense of humor is one of them. No. 
Oh, great. Okay, we're going to commercial break. We will be right back with Stephanie and Marsha Tullock will be joining us. And I want you all to stick around because there's a big surprise coming. The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Whether you are a man, woman, boy or girl, lifting weights is an important component to your exercise program. LiftStrong says that challenging your body with different exercises and routines helps keep your workout interesting and effective. Make sure that when you're lifting weights, you are working to fatigue or failure to get the most benefits. When lifting weights, reaching failure means that you could not possibly do one more rep. Your muscle has failed. Fatigue means you can barely do one or two more repetitions and keep your good form. If your workout is too easy and you're not reaching failure or fatigue, it's time to lift heavier weights. Be aware that your form is vital and reaching fatigue or failure is much more important than hitting a certain number of repetitions. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And you're listening to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, and we are back. We still have Stephanie Reich with us, and we have Marsha Tullock has just joined us. And Marsha is Canadian Jamaican entrepreneur who, along with her partner Delroy, operate a mobile RV repair company. But that's not all that they do, because they are the founders of the Jardine Graham Foundation, named after Delroy's sister Jardine, who succumbed to leukemia in her 35th year at the May Penn Hospital in Jamaica. Now, Marsha is on a mission to spread the word about blood cancers, especially leukemia, and the need for stem uh, cell bone marrow and blood donations, especially in the Caribbean community. She was born in Jamaica. She was the last of 10 children born to her parents, and she migrated to Canada at 13 years of age. She later met and married the father of her three children, who sadly died of lymphoma in 2001, leaving her to be a single parent to children who were 10, 8, and 5. So now she's with Delroy. She's the co-founder of the Jardine Graham Foundation, as I mentioned. And let's say hello to Marsha. Marsha, hi. Hi, Frankie. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so glad to have you here. You are on a mission. And I, I, and I mentioned that um, you want to talk about stem cell and bone marrow, especially with the Caribbean community. Why is that? Why is that so important to you? Um, because there's a lot of um, donors. Um, there's less than 1% um, in the registry right now. 
And recently, we had uh, a young man, Davy Rochester, um, a father of two little girls, three and one. He was just 29 years old, an engineer, and in four months after being diagnosed, um, he passed because there was nobody in the registry, couldn't find a donor. Um, and the type of leukemia, the only cure is a stem cell donor. And I think mo- the main reason why we don't have more people um, getting tested, um, they're scared of, about um, what it is. They think it's um, the first question they'll ask you is what if I'm a match? So uh-huh. they think in their head is going to be a surgery. They're thinking they're going to cut their and go to, into their bones, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, stem cell um, donorship, um, you just got to give some blood from your arm. And so the fear and the stigma and the lack of education is mm-hmm. um, causing a lot of death. Right now, there's a little boy in B.C., British Columbia, who needs a stem cell donor? He's around five years old, and his father is from the Caribbean, Caribbean descent. He's of Caribbean mm-hmm. descent. And so these are the issues we're facing, unnecessary death in the community. So it would have to be somebody from, from um, uh, African Caribbean. descent, from the Caribbean, yes, to be a match? Yes, and it doesn't matter um, if you're first, second, or third, if you're mixed. It doesn't really matter. Uh-huh. Um, so we just need to get the word out and get people to um, just get involved. Um, getting tested is really simple. It's just a Q-tip swab in the cheek. Uh-huh. And they test you. And then if you're a match, they'll just take some blood from your arm for the stem cell. Um, and that simple procedure can save somebody's life. Yeah, you mentioned to me that your sister-in-law, Jardine, when she, she passed away in Jamaica in, in the hospital there at the Maypen Hospital, that they didn't have very many resources there. No, they don't. Um, actually, that's one of the hospitals that's rated, um, um, got a very bad rating in Jamaica right now. Um, so it needs a lot of help. Um, right now they need um, equipment, um, Simple equipment. Um, right now, I'm looking at a list that the doctor had sent me. Um, they need bioctular microscope with um, the lenses. Uh-huh. Um, laboratory benchtop centrifuge. Uh, Emotocrit centrifuge and urinalysis machines. And these are wow. equipment. Um, basic equipment. Basic, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Some of these um, equipment that they're using, they're using Band-Aid to keep mm. them together. So yeah. we want to do something. We went and we visited um, the nursery, um, and it's so hot in there, not even an AC. So we're planning, we're trying to raise funds to extend the nursery, and right. just get some equipment in there and just make it just a small space. And, you know, if you see the picture, um, you're not allowed to take pictures inside. Sure. But if you could look even at the front of the hospital, the way it is compared to 
the hospitals here, mm-hmm. you know, your heart goes out. Uh, basic things like ha- cold water, like the height. Those wow. things I'm um, trying to They don't to have ice. Us. So I remember we... Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you about the pediatric oncology unit there. Um, like to put AC in, how much would that cost? Do you know? Have any idea? Um, like even that's a- the thing. We're, we're trying to work with them now. And that's, that's another thing. Sometimes um, you don't get, you try to go by email. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you don't get to them as quickly. So right now I spoke to the doctor yesterday, actually called him. So they're going to get a list, and we're going to go ahead and get an architect now to start drawing up plans so we could get a price on some of these things, um, what it will cost. So, Well, thank goodness that you're, you know, you're looking after this for, for everybody. I think that's wonderful that you're doing this. Um, the, in, the, in the community, the, the, um, the percentage of people who get leukemia or children who are going to get leukemia or bloodborne diseases in your community, what percentage is that compared to the rest? Do you know? Um, it's, it's basically, I don't have the, the, the percentage, but I know in, for the leukemia, the type of leukemia that this young man, Davy passed with the other day and that Jardine succumbed to, they're saying it's a virus and it's it could lay dormant um, in the body. Mm-hmm. It's it can be transferred from parent um, to child, mm-hmm. um, and so and it, it takes their lives um, fairly quickly. Baby, he, within four months, he was dead. Wow! And this type of leukemia, it's it's certainly on the rise. Like, do um, they know that they're stuff. sick? Marsha, do they know that they're sick and they just wait until the last minute to go to the hospital, or is it just um, a really fast killing virus? Well, they they know they're sick, but not to the extent because the, the symptoms are usually like with Dave. He just had his lymph nodes were swollen, and at okay. the urgent of his wife, he went to check out. With Jardine, they they thought first they thought it was her heart, and as I said, because of the lack of equipment for proper right. testing. Right. So first, their pain, they thought it, um, she needed breast reduction. Then they thought it was her heart. And so by the time, it, you know, they give medication for this and the person should go back. But the disease is already advancing. And as I said, with, with males, um, the male population, I think they, they get, um, they have a higher incidence of leukemia. Um, wow. But with men and young men, like a young man that's 29, mm-hmm. if he feels a little bit sick, he's not going to run off to the doctor, um, you know, m- most cases. So by the right. time you're diagnosed, they have little time. So what would you, what most important to you to get, have people come and donate blood to um, to get some money so that you can give it to the hospital? Like, what's the most important? I mean, that's all important, but what would you like? It's most? all important, um, but it's, it's, it's very, it's all important. It's hard to choose because looking at the state of the hospital in Jamaica, that's one right. of my dreams is to just see 
um, improvement changes. I can imagine like the loss of lives there. And also here, um, like when you hear stories of there's over a thousand people in Canada waiting for um, donors for stem cells. And so when you think of all of that, it's like you want you want to do it all. Right. You know? But I really yeah. do like to reach out and help um, in Jamaica, especially with the little children, give them a chance of life. Sure. So it sounds like you need some volunteers. Because yes, you need volunteers, and you we need, need cross cultural volunteers. volunteers. <laughs> yeah, we need volunteers. We need money. So you know, we need it all. So, yeah. what is your plan to raise money? What are you doing? Do you have any events coming up? Um, we had one event. We just came out of an event. We do a yearly event. Um, just in around Jordan's birthday or birthday mm-hmm. is March twentieth. Okay. Um, so we did one uh, March um, 18th mm-hmm. um, here in Toronto. Um, the response could have been better. It's a lot of work. And so, you know, but by the time you take care of the expenses, sometimes, you know, you don't make as much as you would like. But over the as next year and the following year, as more people know about us, mm-hmm. um, we'll be able to come out, support us, donate, because you could go to our website, um, tggf.ca. It's um, the Jardine Graham Foundation.org, but I've shortened it because it's such a, a, a mouthful. So um, <laughs> tggf.ca, where you could donate, and you could go um, at the Royal Bank to the RBC. Okay. And we have um, our account, I think it's 100, I have the information here. So any RBC um, branch, 100 5669. That's 100 okay. And as I said, you could go to our website and, and also donate. And if anybody has any skills in fundraising or even event planning because we could do other events sure um, yeah the annual event anybody have any ideas um we're welcome uh, my number is 647-971-6656 and uh, all the information is on the website tggf.ca Perfect, Marsha. Thank you so much. We're about to go to commercial break in a minute, but I just wanted to leave you with one. Um, I don't know if you've reached out to Carabana, but maybe you could have a booth at Carabana and uh, register people and that you can call yes, later um, to give that's blood. That's what we're planning because we had a swap event at our latest event. And I'm oh, gonna I'm going to stop you because we're going to go to a commercial. <laughs> okay. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. 
It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Eating meatless meals is gaining more and more popularity. You don't have to vow to be a vegetarian either. Vegetarians eat only plant-based foods, and they generally eat fewer calories and less fat. They weigh less and have lower cholesterol levels than do non-vegetarians. They follow a diet which emphasizes fruits and vegetables, grains, beans and legumes, and nuts. It's rich in fiber, vitamins, and other nutrients. If being a vegetarian is not for you, do what I do and incorporate vegetarian habits into your life. Every week, I serve two to three meatless meals at home to my family. A National Cancer Institute study found that those who ate four ounces of red meat or more daily were 30% more likely to die of any cause over 10 years than those who consumed less. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Well, we're back to Frankie's and some more, and I told you we had a big surprise. Who's here? It was the last blind date himself. <laughs> Daniel is here. Stephanie's husband is with us. Welcome, Daniel. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Why don't you? T- I'd like to hear from your perspective. All right. That last date when you first met Stephanie. Yeah. You, you guys were on bikes. I think it was raining, Stephanie. Your, your makeup was running. Your hair was. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if Stephanie's had a chance to already talk about it, but... Um, no, no, we haven't talked about it. But, but that first date, as Stephanie likes to say, we, when we met on the path and um, we just had a chance to start talking and, and connecting. And I think right away from, uh, from when we started talking, it was comfortable. We, have, uh, we found a lot of similarities in our families and our backgrounds. And mm-hmm. it just like made the conversation flow really easily and comfortably. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, even as Stephanie likes to say, sure, the conversation was comfortable, but there was also still those elements of the just getting to know someone or maybe the the side of not sure how it's going to go. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a little anticipation it, and excitement. Yeah. Is that what you'd say too, Stephanie? Yeah, that was a great recap. You, uh-huh. I would have added something about how handsome you were too, but other than that, it's well, that's what track. I wanted to ask you, Daniel. I mean, Stephanie is, is gorgeous. No two ways. About <laughs> I that. think so too. So why was this gorgeous woman still available in your opinion? Um, I'm not sure. The only thing that I can hang on to is that uh, Stephanie and I, the timing for us to meet up uh, was was coming, and and uh, uh, the plan for us to be together was still being developed. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think we said that at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a good way good to put it. Good for you. Good for you. And what is it that you love about her so much? Uh, Stephanie's wonderful and amazing. There's so many things about her. I um, one thing that I love about Stephanie is, um, how supportive she is of, of, of everyone around her. She's very encouraging and, and everything that she does. Um, I see that in the work that she does with, at, uh, at Tyndale Publishing House and the authors that she works with. And, mm-hmm. um, and then also I benefit from it in many ways as mm-hmm. well. 
um, that side of it. Um, I'll take you off the hook. Stephanie, what do you, what do you love about Daniel? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, as you have heard from all the other blind date experiences, mm-hmm. I could tell right away that there was something special about Daniel. Um, he works with people who have disabilities, and right away that attracted me that um, he really cares about the underdog and people who maybe are overlooked by the rest of the world, and he's just always looking to include people who are usually left out, and Aww. immediately that attracted me, and um, he just is a very good man. Wow, I love that. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it fun to hear this from each other? <laughs> I know. I'm glad this is being recorded so I can play it back. <laughs> well, I, I think something that was also special, and, and I kind of just mentioned it earlier, but just how we connected and how many right. how many similarities that we had in common. It's even funny to think about how uh, how we grew up with the same stories that I would tell about my family mm-hmm. were almost parallel to Stephanie's to stories that Stephanie's would would tell mm-hmm. about her childhood too. Um, mm-hmm. So that connection was was great. That's true. And, and, and what about this four jars of peanut butter? You're a peanut oh. butter monster? <laughs> I, I do love peanut butter. I think Stephanie <laughs> must have mentioned that. Yes. <laughs> I love peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I, that was one of, I think that was one of the similarities that even came yep. up when, when, uh, when we were being set up as a blind date. One thing yep. that we might have in common. <laughs> I think so it was. Do you, each, do you each sit there on the sofa at night with your own jar and just dip? <laughs> Oh, we do share, yeah. Oh, share. <laughs> I thought peanut butter might be the one thing that you don't share. Ooh. You know, that's how I know it was true love. He would share oh. his peanut butter with me. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, Daniel, how many blind dates did you go on? Uh, um, I hadn't thought of that. I, I think I maybe have been on maybe one or two before Stephanie, um, so so not as many. Um, yeah. Did you have a clear idea of who you were looking for? Did you know, like, did had you ever written it down or go, I, I'm looking for these qualities, um, I'm looking for this in a woman, or did you think, yeah, well, I'll, I'll know I, when I find her? I, I don't, I don't know if I ever formally wrote down or, um, you know, have it written written down anywhere, mm-hmm. but I do know that um, I had. Uh, certain characteristics uh, that I was looking for, and among those, um, a number of those are the qualities that Stephanie has. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, her, her amazing faith is is one of the big ones that uh, that I was immediately attracted to. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you guys have you guys? How did you choose a, a church to go to? Mm-hmm. Well, I can answer this one. We had to make some changes when we got married because um, when we got married, Daniel moved into my townhouse that I had bought. Mm-hmm. And so it, the church he had been going to and been in the band in um, was too far away from where we lived. So he ended up sacrificing a lot to move into my place and go to the church I'd been going to. Um, but it's been great because now he plays in the church band at our church together. And so it's been great to see him get plugged into that church. And now it's our church, not just my church. What do you play? I play in the worship band. I mostly play bass. Nice. Yeah. They're always the real goofy guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's up there might, dancing and yeah. That might fit me it. in 
that description might fit me in some ways, yes. So. <laughs> this is coming from a drummer, okay? <laughs> the groove section has to stick together. But yeah, you guys are always a little bit off-center, I find. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And Stephanie, do you sing? Do you do anything? I, I enjoy singing, but nobody wants to hear me sing. So it, it, I love it when Daniel practices at home because then I can just belt it out at home when no one's listening, and then he goes and nobody gives me a microphone, and that's better that way. <laughs> just good audience participation. That's right. Nice, nice. So how long have you guys been married now? Four and a half like, years. Yeah, four and a half yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. Time flew. I know, it has. That's awesome. I just love it. And, you know, I told you at the, um, at, the, at the start of the show that Stephanie was picking up rocks. She was, you know, and putting in, Stephanie said that she was putting names on these rocks. Mm-hmm. But there's a, um, and then you realize that there was a rock for Daniel. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. The rock, I think uh, Stephanie and I, as you might already know, met on the bike path. Mm-hmm. And uh, our plan was, uh, to go on a bike ride, and the spot that that we had picked out to meet is kind of a at a fork in the bike path, kind of where two paths meet each other. And there's a rather large uh, rock boulder, I think you could even call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I don't even know. I might have even been leaning or sitting on top of the rock when when Stephanie came down. It, mm-hmm. it has a little memorial plaque for some maybe some individuals that used the path or enjoyed that area specifically. Um, but it was right there at the spot where we were, where we were, had set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I guess it fit right into the collecting of rocks that Stephanie had been doing. Uh-huh. That's right. Did you get your Sharpie out and sign your name? <laughs> no, we, we haven't done any graffiti yet. <laughs> but every time we walk by, we talk about, Oh, it's our rock. That's our rock. Isn't that yeah, nice? That, it's, that, it's like a real that, anchor for your relationship. Yeah. Well, and that spot is really fun, but it's also really fun. The spot where one of the spots that we went to on our first blind date is a park. Um, it's near the Fox River. Um, where do you live? What what town? We're in Batavia, Illinois. Oh, in um, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but this park where we went to on our first date, and it also is the park that we got engaged at, um, oh. is now very close to the house that we purchased over mm-hmm. the summer. So it's really How, fun. It's it's close. It's we see it regularly and get to go to that nice. park. So, mm-hmm. yeah. who wants to tell me the engagement story? Oh, I can jump in. Daniel okay. did such a good job. He did kind of the highlights of our whole dating life together, and he took me to all the different spots where we had special memories. And I'm a super sentimental person, so to mm-hmm. go through our whole time of knowing each other and remembering each spot. Um, it was so special. And um, then he got down on one knee in, in the park where we went on our first date, and that's oh. where he asked me to marry him. Were there people so, around at the time? No, there weren't. Um, and I'll tell you one more special thing about the engagement story. It had snowed a lot. It was February, and it was one of those winters where we had, like, three feet of snow. And so he got up super early in the morning and shoveled off the whole basketball court. Because oh, one of wow. our dates was playing basketball outside. And he, it was that really heavy snow. And so he'd gotten up super early just to clear off the basketball court for me. So you reenacted almost every date that you'd had that day. 
the highlights, yeah. The highlights, and then yep. it culminated in, in him asking you to marry him. Yep, yep. I Did said, you have yes, any you. idea it was going to happen? Eventually. Um, Eventually. We had talked about, <laughs> yeah. I, when he first asked, I was just, like, blubbering and crying, and then I realized, oh, I need to actually give him an Say answer. Something. It seemed <laughs> obvious, but... <laughs> So. I assume the answer was yes, but it was also nice to hear you say. It yes. was. And then how yeah. long was the engagement? Six months, I think. It was, okay. We didn't have a very fancy wedding, and we just knew we wanted to be together, so we didn't have, have a lot of plans. We just had our two immediate families and a couple friends there. Okay. Well, you don't need a lot of people when you just want to get married. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it sounds and, like it all worked out for you very well. Well, you. you know, it's suddenly things that you've been waiting for for a long time. When you're in hindsight and can look back, you can see that God had a plan all along that was better than what I had. But yeah. when you're in the middle of the waiting, it's hard to see that. So you were fasting and, and, you know, learning about yourself and before, before, is there anything that you do now as a couple to continue to give thanks to God for meeting? You know, one thing uh, I, we, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Uh, well, I, was I got one minute. Say, it's, it's kind of what we were just talking about, about the, the having the spots and the, mm-hmm. the tracing back of some of those spots is one way that we kind of mm-hmm. honor that. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Stephanie? Oh, and just in the morning, sometimes we'll say something we're thankful for, and it's not a long, drawn-out thing, but just to keep us grounded on gratitude for all that God has done for us. Nice. Well, thank you both so much for coming to the show. You've been listening to Frankie Sense and More. This is Stephanie Reese, my guest, and her husband, Daniel. Her book was called I Was Blind, Dating, But Now I See. And we had Marsha Tullock of the Jardine Graham Foundation, who is looking for Caribbean um, blood donors. So please reach out and give what you have to give inside of you. That would be great. Thank you both again so very much. Thank, thank you, you for having for, us. Thanks a lot, Frankie for producing the show and we will see you next week again. Thanks so much. Take care everybody. Bye-bye. She you, she the one way to turn the world.